0: Welcome to Communicating the Glory, a podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Gateshead, England. Our purpose is both to communicate the glory of God and to help prepare God's people to communicate His glory themselves. Today, Josh will be interviewing the Reverend Maurice Roberts. Reverend Roberts was the Minister of Air Free Church of Scotland from 1974 to 1994 and then of Greyfire's congregation in from 1994. Since 2000, he has been a minister of the Free Church Continuing. He is a close friend of the church here in Gateshead, and has in recent weeks been serving our pulpit.
1: Reverend Roberts, you've filled many roles over the course of your ministry. You have had extended ministries, in two congregations. You edited the Banner of Truth magazine from 1988 until 2003. You were the moderator of the Free Church of Scotland Continuing General Assembly in 2007. You've written several books, and before that, you were an educator teaching Latin and Greek in secondary schools in Scotland but I have had the chance to get to know you a little in the context of Gateshead Presbyterian Church. Your nephew is an elder in the church, and over the last several years, you have often filled the pulpit or led the midweek service. And it's been a wonderful thing for me to see the way that you are beloved in that congregation. In fact, the whole church refers to you as Uncle Morris, which is uh, is really a nice thing to see. And there's an affection between you and the people there that has given a weight to your ministry of the word with them. And I want to ask you a few questions in light of this as we begin. But, but I want to set some premises first. The first question I want to ask you basically, is what is preaching? Could you, from your perspective as you minister the Word, could you give us a basic brief definition of preaching?
2: Preaching assumes several things. First, that the Bible is a divinely inspired book, totally reliable, and is a substance which we are to preach to the people. We are not to preach anything Out of our own imagination, we are to go by the Bible. So, in preaching we take a text which is a small summary of any of the books of the Bible and we open out the meaning so that the way we handle a text is this. We first of all open it, then illustrate it, then apply it to the conscience. So, our duty is to explain the meaning of a passage of Scripture to use an illustration, such as Christ did when he taught parables, so that the people understand in detail what is being talked about here. And then we apply it and we say, now, how do you stand up in the light of this truth? So we must do those three things, state, illustrate, and apply.
1: That's, that's a very helpful basic definition. I might ask, following up, Who is the minister to preach to when he enters the pulpit?
2: Well, every congregation normally consists of various categories of people. There are first of all those who are mature Christians and then those who are young Christians. And then it is expected normally there will be some who are not yet converted, but are showing an interest and would like to know more about how to become a Christian and then of course there are always children or should be children so when the preacher preaches he has a subject before him which hopefully will say something to all these different categories of hearers obviously the emphasis in some occasions will be more for the one group than for another group in our scottish situation we normally emphasize the doctrine for the benefit of the older christians in the morning sermon And in the evening we tend to be more evangelistic and deal more with those who are not yet Christians but would like to hear how to become Christians. So if possible we bring into our sermons, morning and evening, parts and illustrations which are useful to everybody. So nobody is entirely in the dark and if you're dealing with a difficult subject have illustrations in it from time to time that even the young children can understand a little bit of
1: what is some of the work in your study that allows you to do this? What are some of the ways you would approach a text? What are you looking for in the text even uh, to, to say, what do I need to illustrate to the children? What do I need to explain to the children? Are you asking questions of yourself?
2: Yes, I ask myself, if I'm speaking about a point of doctrine, let's say justification or sanctification, or the atonement of Christ, or the second coming of Christ. I think it prudent, in the course of preaching the sermon, here and there, to have a little story or a little illustration, not too long, but just sufficient so that we know the children will say, ah, I know what he's talking about now, that's a little story which I can understand, and to link it in with the substance of the sermon in such a way that the children will not be lost and thinking their own thoughts all the way through. But they will come back to the sermon, even when at times they have lost it because it's too hard for them. So I think that's the way in which to handle a sermon.
1: You you touch on the children some as as I had asked you to do. A, a minister sometimes I think he can seem intimidating to a to a child or far off to a child in a congregation, or or maybe as if he's speaking too complexly, and and yet. I, I listened to a sermon of yours just recently, I was telling you before we began, on the doctrine of justification uh, uh, by grace uh, on Romans 5. And you actually were specifically addressing, you were answering even some of the definitions of these words. Uh, You didn't take them for granted. You, You were thinking of the children in the congregation. It was very helpful for me to hear, how have you found that you've been able to develop a ministry to the children in your congregations?
2: I suppose it's um, partly one's own upbringing. I uh, <coughs> was not converted myself <coughs> until I was 18. So I didn't have a profoundly theological education when I was anything less than 18. But I began to study theology after I was converted, of course, and I began to realize you can be very heavy in theology. So there's only a small number of people really catch on to what you're saying. Or you can use a method of explaining theology which is more practical, as I think our Lord Jesus Christ does in his parables. And my temptation, therefore, is always to try to be as simple as I can.
1: How simple, <laughs> hmm. and how di- you know? So there, there are there deep truths hmm. that we are delving into when we try hmm. to state, illustrate, and apply God's word. Uh, but at the same time, these are truths for all Christians. You know, we're not some sort of Gnostic believer. How do you balance simplicity? Because on one hand, you don't want to speak over the heads of the children, but you don't want to, to treat adult believers as if they are children either. How do you do you do different things? Do you illustrate in two separate ways? Or do you aim to, to give one explanation that reaches both?
2: The best simple uh, answer I could give to that would be to refer to J.C. Ryle, Bishop of uh, Liverpool. He has a number of excellent books. And the lesson I think that J.C. Ryle teaches us is academic excellence uh, and simplicity of language. He always uses simple language, but of course, he was a man of outstanding academic achievement, very high qualification academically at universities. But he always made it his method that when he was explaining anything, He would use the simplest language he could. And I would recommend that that is the pattern and the method to follow if we want people to be understanding it in the pulpit.
1: That's helpful. Do you find that there's a certain part of even what we've been talking about that is accomplished by your relationship with your people apart just from the Sunday services? And if so, how do you develop that?
2: Well, I am an old teacher, and I love children, and I can't resist teasing them. So not, of course, when I'm preaching, that's not appropriate at all. I don't um, make people laugh when I'm preaching. But when I see them at the door, shaking their hands or before the service, I cannot resist to teasing them and uh, being as sweet to them as I can, because I love them very much. and I long to get close to them so that hopefully they will trust me so that they will understand that when I'm saying things to them, it will be uh, for their own spiritual and eternal good. And I find that very often these children, they understand when I'm trying to do that. And when I'm preaching, some of them I think benefit from what I say and the way I say it.
1: (laughs) Our listeners will very evidently hear that I'm an American ministering here in in the United Kingdom. And you know, Americans have this stereotypical uh, picture that we're gregarious and that we're outgoing and that we talk about very personal things sometimes before we're ready to do that. And and then the English, of course, have that uh, stereotype of the stiff upper lip and, and a reserve and things like that. And, and so y- children, you're describing how you do this with children. Sometimes children are, I've found as a minister, the easiest to do that with. But but how do you develop that closeness with the adult sheep? Maybe some who are reserved. Now, I know you ministered in Scotland, but, but how do you find that you develop that closeness with the adult sheep that have been entrusted to your care?
2: Well, I think we must try to live a consistent life. We must try to make sure that we are what we are, uh, encourage other people to be and that we do what we encourage other people to do. The worst thing a minister can do is to betray, in his own personal life, inconsistency and a discrepancy between what he says we should do and what he himself does. People are very quick to notice when there is that kind of inconsistency in a minister's life. So, of course, like anybody else, I have my own terrible weaknesses, which I'm ready to confess. But as far as one can, as a minister we should try to live a consistent life, and people will realise then that this man whether I agree with him or not. I can't deny he's very sincere.
1: Mm. Do you have people in your home? Do you do visitation as a minister? What are the, the things that you do that allow them to see this consistency that you speak of?
2: Yes, uh, I was uh, 40 odd years as a minister in Scotland. Um, and uh, our policy would normally be that I would visit my people uh, every week. I couldn't visit them all, of course, right. in a week but uh, some of them each week and if any of them had a problem I would go along to see them and talk about the problem to help them if they would welcome it, which they did. Um, and I would also have a Bible class for the children and I would have the children in the Bible class and I get to know them in that way too. And on the Lord's Day evening one of our practices in Scotland would be to have a, a man's fellowship, man's being the minister's house and the people, maybe 20 or 30 or 40, would come along to the house. And we'd sit around, we'd have a cup of tea and a biscuit or something, and then we'd talk about the sermons and the subject of them. They could ask any questions they wanted to, and I could ask them theological questions. For instance, uh, explain how Jesus is both God and man. Mm. And they would then talk about that. So it's very important to be on a personal level with the people in the congregation, so that they learn the language of theology. In a practical way and they have their own questions which then can be put to us and we can help them along in the difficult questions of the Word of God.
1: That's helpful. I imagine then having kind of your manse open after a service on Sunday Mm -hmm. evening also allows all sorts of people to come along that gives you contact with those you might not visit privately. Uh, You have that continued.
2: Yes indeed we kept what we call a visitor's book Mm -hmm. which we still have um, and there's not so many visitors come as there used to be because we're now retired, but we have hundreds and hundreds and <laughs> hundreds of uh, names in the book. And I say that because people from many parts of the world, the United States, so we have many, many friends over there, and other parts of the world have been uh, so kind as to come to visitors in Scotland when we were ministers, young wife, and uh, we've enjoyed their fellowship very much. And to have these contacts is good for us because we have our own mistakes, of course, with our own foolish mistakes. And to have friends come to the house sometimes means that they correct our mistakes and do us good. We help
0: one another in that way. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We hope and pray that it has been useful to you. I'm your host, Peter Lawley, and today you've been listening to the Reverend Morris Roberts and the Reverend Josh Rieger founding minister of Hexham Presbyterian Church and the podcast's producer. You've been listening to Communicating the Glory, a podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Gateshead, England. We encourage you to listen to all of our episodes, which you can find at our webpage wpts.org.uk That's wpts.org.uk I'm your host, Peter Lawley, and I've been joined by the Reverend Dr. Bill Schweitzer, Founding Minister of Gateshead Presbyterian Church and Professor of Systematic Theology here at WPTS. Also joining us with the Reverend Joshua Riga, Founding Minister of Hexham Presbyterian Church and the podcast producer. You can also check us out on all of your favourite podcasting applications such as iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe, and don't forget to tell your friends and family about us. If you have any questions, or if you're interested in Westminster Presbyterian Theological Seminary, you can reach us at our email, contact at wpts.org.uk, that is contact at wpts.org.uk. You can also reach us via our Twitter handle, which is at WPTS underscore seminary, or by phone, which is 0191 460. 7127 Thanks for listening, and God bless.